This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. All right, let's talk about a couple of guys who are hitting at the big league level, just as we all expected at the start of the season. The two best hitters in the Nats lineup, Ildemaro Vargas, the third baseman, and Joey Manessis, who plays first base and right field. Manessis just keeps on trucking, man. Last calendar week, he's 7 for 19 with three RBI, hitting 368 with a 1008 OPS. Manessis now, since being called up right at the deadline, essentially. Remember, he homered the night of the trade deadline for his first big league home run in his first game. 24 contests he's played in, 90 at-bats. He's got six bolts. He's hitting 333. His OPS is 960. He's been amazing. We talk about him on every podcast at this point, so there's not a whole lot more to add other than to say that the 30-year-old can hit. I mean, he, he can roll the pole a little bit. Now, how does this happen? Someone, I was talking to a buddy of mine who uh, runs a sports bar near Nationals Park, and he's like, how does Joey Manessis happen? And he happens because, first of all, he his defensive profile doesn't really exist, right? So he's basically a below-average fielder who's DH only. And there's just not much value in that for teams, number one. Number two, inevitably, when you get to a point where you're 25, 26, 27 years old and you haven't gotten your shot yet, you're going to give an opportunity to a kid over Joey Manessis, or you're going to already have guys you're paying at the big league level that you have to use. So it's very, very rare that you have an opportunity. Think about the stars that I do align this year, Mm -hmm. where you have to be the worst team in the league or one of them. Then you have to trade enough guys, including your first baseman, and if Joey Manessis came up in that first week, honestly, Danny, and he didn't hit much, he wouldn't just keep playing. They would have gone to Luke Voigt and Nelson Cruz more often, or they would have called up Riley Adams. Like, you could actually make the case right now that they should be playing Riley Adams, who means a little bit more potentially to their future, who they traded for last year rather than just sign as a minor league free agent, who may actually have a future in some capacity in the organization. You could say that they should be playing Riley Adams at first base right now instead of a Manessis or, or what have you on the nights where he's playing there. So that that's kind of the point is he just becomes an org guy. He's an organizational soldier. Probably should have gotten a chance a couple years ago with the Phillies when he was killing it in AAA as a 27 or 28-year-old, whatever he was then. But they're giving those chances to the guy they just drafted out of uh, Virginia in mm-hmm. their outfield, Adam Hazley, or they're giving those chances to someone that you know they brought in on a major league contract. And so that's just kind of how it goes, but he's finally getting his shot, and he's making the most of it. So I'll relate it to my own, um, not that I had any kind of experience like Joey Manessis, but just to to my own playing experience. When I was done as a a college player, I was a better player than the 16-year-old. 
than the 18-year-old that they were that any any organization would be drafting and following and developing and, and trying to figure out, or the you know the kid from the Dominican that they would sign. But there's no interest in me because they look at my ceiling and they go, "He's right there. He'll never be much better than this." Right? You you can go to Butte, Montana, be a, a, a backup to the backup backup, and maybe be a guy that's addicted to school mint and, and be an organizational roving instructor with 10 years of work on the wasteland. And I said, "No, I'll just I'll go live my life." But there's no interest in me, and there shouldn't be. Right? You should be interested in the lottery ticket. So you you extrapolate that to to higher levels where Joey Manessis has been, and the ceiling isn't that high. Now I know this is a blast and this is super fun, but but this is never going to be the guy that gets twenty million bucks in arbitration. You know, as as a twenty two year old, this is never the guy that's going to be the center of the baseball world because he may or may not be traded. He'll come back down to earth. Legal get a book on him and and he'll he'll settle in. But he can hit at this level. But it's it's the the, the it's the flaw in the system in so much as. Scouts, organizations, uh, general managers, personnel people, they're all looking for stars. They're looking for guys that can carry the franchise and be huge difference makers. And it's very easy to have guys like this slip through the cracks, and it happens very frequently, and I understand it. Well, there's also something to be said for he doesn't have a plus tool necessarily, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, let's say everything you just said about him was true, but he had 70 power or something. He'd have been in the big leagues a whole bunch. Oh, for sure. Over the last bunch of years. If he had a 60 hit tool or whatever. Like people say, well, if he can hit like this, he should be in the majors. And that's true. I promise you, if he was going to hit like this for the rest of his career and the Nationals knew that, he'd never come out of the lineup. But that's not realistic. He is more likely over 162 games going to hit closer to 250 than he is 300. He is more likely over 162 games to hit, you know, a dozen home runs or 15 home runs or 18 home runs than 30 home runs, which if you are a first baseman or you are a DH or you are a right fielder, which are the only positions he can really play, like those corner spots where you kind of hide his athleticism or lack thereof, so to speak. Now, this is a guy, I think, in the 22nd percentile in foot speed in baseball. You need to hit for a bunch of power. You need to be a big-time run producer. So he could possibly be, over the course of a year, he could be a 24-homer, 80-some RBI, you know, 275, 280 hitter. But that's not overly valuable as an offensive profile at any of the defensive positions he plays, if that makes a lot of sense. So that's also a big part of it. Like, if he was athletically gifted and played up the middle, if he played center or short or second, you'd know about Joey Manessis. He Mm. would have been in the big leagues. A while ago. So I think that's all kind of baked in to the conversation here. But here is what he has done, especially for a a bad team that's probably going to be bad for part of next year, at least, if not another season. He's in the discussion now for the Nats for next season. He's got to be. I mean, they need to try to think about bringing him back and having him compete to get at bats as a DH, as a first baseman, if they're going to be bad again in the outfield, in right field, whatever it is, because... If they don't spend money and they're going cheap again, he's the perfect 100%. solution. Same with Ildemaro Vargas, by the way. He's a little bit young, uh, older. He's 31 years old. He's from Venezuela. Uh, he has played a lot more Major League Baseball than Manessis. Um, Ildemaro Vargas played in Arizona for a few years and then in Minnesota with the Cubs, with the Pirates, among other teams. Um, he's now played in a little over 200 Major League games. What he's doing is unsustainable. I mean, he's a 243 career hitter with a 661 OPS, and right now his OPS is 200 points higher than that, and his batting average is 325. But 
he's an upgrade over Michael Franco. If he can field the ball and he can give you a decent at bat, another guy that should be at spring training next year. Now, is my interest high in having Manessis and Vargas in the org or on the field? No, but it just depends on what they're going to do. When do you get your new owner? Are you going to spend any money? Are you actually going to bring in talent? Because if not, they don't have minor league-ready talent to play at third or in a corner outfield yet. They just don't. So even if you do spend money, unless it's an overhaul, unless it's a you know and and a no salary cap, endless pockets, I'll just I'll buy one in every position. Those guys are still valuable to have, right? If you go out and get, let's say, a frontline starting pitcher, uh, um, a right fielder, and a first baseman, that's a pretty penny. That's sixty, seventy, eighty million dollars of payroll. Whether or not they end up in the organization starting next year or having a chance to play, I guess will. As you said, it's just going to come down to ownership. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Bustin' Loose Baseball. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are back. We are better than ever next week. Give you a nice, juicy, lengthy episode with a dive into the minor leagues. Thanks for listening. Grant, Danny, and Dara saying so long.